Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be interviewing author, anthropologist, and serial entrepreneur, Veronica Kieran. The two of them will be chatting about her newest book, Stories of Elders. It's all about how she drove 12,000 miles, interviewed 100 elders, and returned to write a book on how technology has changed the face of our nation. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, attorney turned life coach, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we are here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing coaches, teachers, authors, and healers, all of whom are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. All the good stuff. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access the show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. Um, and let's see, um, Benny, what's going on with you? Not a whole lot. Um, ramping up for the Christmas holiday, which is next week, and uh, my shopping's all done. Looking pretty good. Yeah. Waiting for Santa. I'm very festive today. If you could see Benny, he's got on this crazy Christmas sweater, and it's got Santa and sunglasses, and there is a pocket. I put like. Let's just say I can carry a bottle of beverage, uh, or a beverage of bottle, or whatever you want to throw (laughs) in there. I mean, it's let's just say it's a little 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 cubby hole there. Yes, for some eggnog. Yes, exactly. Well, if that's what you want, (laughs) I should have brought some in. Darn, I didn't think about that. So what I'm curious, since the boys um, are like my closest tie to kids at a very long, young age at this point. What toy is oh, the man. thing this year? It's Lego or Go Home. Really? Oh, man. Because there's so many like areas of Lego that they cover. And by the way, you pronounce it Lego, not Legos. There's not plural. Lego is already Lego. Plural. Okay. It is. Just for, you know, okay. it's no, water cooler good. trivia there. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, if you don't come in or to the front door with it, it's like, see it. We'll see you next year. <laughs> That's all they've asked for. Well, I think that's a fun toy to ask. I think it's good, but again, it's because there's so many little uh, areas like Harry Potter versions, there's aqua versions, there's police, fire department, you know, dragons, and it's all over. What's their preference? More to step on. That's basically what I got to watch out. Uh, They are currently merging into the Harry Potter series. Oh, cute. Uh huh. They're still big on Star Wars because I'm a big Star Wars yes. guy. So I know last year that was pretty big. We kind of ramped up, got a, some Tie Fighters and stuff like that. But I was holding out, like hopefully maybe someone was going to un- unveil like or uh, release a cheap version, cheaper version I should say, of the Millennium Falcon. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh-uh. It's like an eight hundred dollar. Yeah, no, but it's like how many pieces? F- like fifty four hundred pieces or something. What? It's massive. And of course, I want it because oh, yes. <laughs> I'd be like, "Yeah, let's fly around there." But, <laughs> but I don't want to build it because I'd be probably going to end up building it You're for right. them too. Because that was last year too. Yeah. I, I think my back hurt for like four days straight. Oh no! Because we got some so many, we got them so many sets. Yeah. And then they're like, you know, we needed, we need these now yeah. to play with them. Now they don't want to spend the time building. I'm like, it's Christmas, guys. That's what you do. <laughs> All the family members go talk and do their thing, uh-huh, get caught up, and the build kids Legos. build the Legos or do their thing. Or Lego. Play with the new tech. Thank you. See, you're catching yourself. <laughs> so, yeah. It's Lego or go home. Oh, cute. It is cute. And wait, do they still believe in Santa? Yes. They... Okay. Well, I do. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Yes. So, okay. So, there you go. Oh, well, very good. spirit. I hope you guys have fun. I mean, I'm wearing him on my shirt. Why not? I know. Well, you're always festively dressed no matter what the <sighs> holiday occasion Just is, Benny. Just keeping it going. Just keeping it going. <laughs> 
Festivus for the rest of us. Yes. I think that's the other one. Yes. <laughs> and we'll air our grievances next week. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So a little bit of housekeeping. Of course, if you want to find out more about me and coaching or my practice, uh, my website is goldenoversoul.com. Um, don't forget that my book is still available if you want to grab a free copy online. Um, the website is unhitchedbook.com. Um, of course, it will be in bookstores uh, in January. Um, but until then, and maybe even past then, I will offer um, that digital copy for free. And it's really written for anyone who is struggling in their marriage and you're debating what to do um, and want a little bit of support. I've got some tools and exercises in there for you. Um, and if you know you're already headed in the direction of divorce, um, it's also got some tools and tips in there for doing it gracefully. Of course, um, combined with my story of um, a pretty high conflict marriage, followed by a really surprisingly graceful divorce and an incredible post-divorce friendship with my ex. Um, so, Which was really well done last week with Wendy Williams, oh, yeah. who interviewed you. That was really got nice Got down to the brass tacks on your you know situation and, and how it all unveiled beautifully. Yeah, actually, so. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it did, I know you can look at it a couple mm-hmm. of different ways, but um, I, I choose to see the more positive aspects that came out of it, recognizing that there was still pain involved, and, and for me and for him, for sure. As a leader, good for you. <laughs> Seeing the joy and the bright side to things like yeah. that. Because when you hear the word divorce, breakup, it's all negative. Yeah, it can it's be. It's a good thing. But people are really reimagining that, and I yeah. see that a lot. Um, there, It doesn't have to be one particular way. Nope. Um, yeah, so uh, the website to grab that copy is unhitchedbook.com. And then I want to mention one event. Um, we are doing another Sacred Supper Club. It'll be in Austin, Texas, January 26th. That's a Saturday. We already have a whole crew from Seattle that is going down there, and I'm so, so incredibly excited. So um, basically, this is a dinner party where we get to talk about the universe, and it's um, my best friend who lives in just the most stunning home. We're going to be collecting there. It's a beautiful space. Um, We're going to get shamelessly spiritual. We've got Stephanie Levinston, who you guys have probably, if you've been listening to the show pretty regularly, you've heard her on the show. She's been on several times. Um, She's come to Seattle to do events. She lives in Boca Raton, and she's coming to Austin to be our special guest um, to do messages for the group. And of course, we'll do all of the regular fun things that we have as kind of our um, foundational components of Sacred Supper Club, like our coconut breaking ceremony and things like that. Um, We've got a great group. And I just wanted to let you guys know, if you are all interested in going, um, we have two tickets left that are at the special holiday price. Um, We've gone through those pretty quickly, and um, we will have several more available, but I want to make sure you guys know about the holiday tickets, and there's only two left. Um, To find out more, to register, just go to my website, goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And there's an events page there, and just click on the Sacred Supper Club link, and it will get you all set up with the registration page. So again, for you last-minute shoppers... This is your opportunity to get the book yeah. and or a pair of tickets or one or, you know, maybe for the next event, too. Go to Sunny's website. Hey. If you're last-minute shoppers, get in there and get it. Hey, thanks, Benny. You're thanks welcome. for the promotion. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to our guest today. Um, so I will be joined by Veronica Kieran. Um, she was named by Forbes as a notable graduate of Grand Valley State University, a 40 under 40 business leader. She's been recognized as the founder of a top women-owned business 
and is the first business in Grand Rapids, Michigan to be certified by the National LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce. She offers entrepreneurial coaching to LGBTQ business owners through her signature self-care through scaling program. So they work less, grow faster, and learn more. And what's really interesting, um, I'm going to, Veronica, just be ready when I bring you on. Um, I'm going to ask you your age because what I just read um, the things that she's accomplished, um, a lot of people, I think, are losing hope in younger generations. And when uh, when we talk to Veronica, I think you're going to see um, there is so much to be hopeful for. And she has done so much at a very young age. So we're really here today to talk about her book that was just released this fall. And it's called Stories of Elders, What the Greatest Generation Knows About Technology That You Don't. Um, if you want to check out her website and get to know her work a little bit as we're talking today, it is veronicakieran.com. That's veronicakieran.com. And Kieran is spelled K-I-R-I-N. Um, so basically, uh, she went around the country speaking to uh, folks born before 1945 and uh came away with, uh, I think it was 12,000 miles driven, 100 elders interviewed, and one amazing book that uh, really talks about some of the things that I think we're, we're losing track of. And I thought this show would be particularly relevant because most of the opportunities, at least you know, in my experience, that I have to hang out with some of my older family members um, would be around the holidays. And so we've got, for a lot of people who celebrate Christmas, that's coming up next week, and of course New Year's, and we just came off of Thanksgiving. So um, I thought this would be a really cool time to talk to Veronica about this work, because you may enter your holidays spent with elderly loved ones with a different perspective. I think sometimes they are dismissed culturally, and Veronica's findings show that they are particularly relevant, perhaps even foundational in terms of keeping our roots where they are and moving forward um, evolutionarily. So we need them. I guess what I'm trying to say is we need that base in order to move forward in a healthy or effective way. Um, So, Veronica, welcome to the show. Hi, Sunny. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Um, So I want to also mention to those out there, um, we are going to be giving away a free copy of Veronica's book during the show today. Um, And I think this would be especially fun to give if you're going to see an elderly family member over the holidays. I bet they would love this book. And you'll find out more why when we get into it. But just be ready um, that we're going to give away a copy of Stories of Elders in the second half of the show. Um, If you want to write the number down so you can be ready, it is 888-298-298. 5569. That's 888-298-5569. And we'll announce that a little later in the show. Okay. So, Veronica, you know, we're here mostly to talk about your book and this journey across America, interviewing the greatest generation um, and and all of the things that went along with that. But I wanted to just talk a little about you first so people get to know you and what you do um, sure. before we do book stuff. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned in the intro, um, I, I didn't even know the answer to this question, but how old are you now? I am 32 and a half. Okay, so when you did this project, you were still in your in 20s. There. It's like my, it's like my yeah. kids, you no, know, when I, you ask my kids. They're like, eight and three quarters. <laughs> you know, right? I can give you an exact date, but I think we don't have time. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I am 32. Uh, I was, yeah, I was 28 uh, when I was starting the work on this book. So, um, uh it was one of those lightning strike moments, and it just took me, and I had to go with it. Yeah, I hear that, and I love that, and I want to hear more about that, actually. But um, mm-hmm. you have in your title, you're a serial entrepreneur, which, I mean, 
you started this project after you'd already sold a company that you'd created and you'd had some other business ventures. So what is the, what does being a serial entrepreneur mean? And I mean, oh my gosh, how did you, I didn't have the wherewithal to do anything like uh, strike out on my own. I went the safe route, you know, college, grad school, funneled into a big law firm. Um, and I think it takes some guts to do what you've done. So mm. can you tell us a little bit about your background? It's either guts or sheer stubbornness. <laughs> well, or a combination of the two. <laughs> yeah, probably both. Uh, yeah, I, well, I got my degree in anthropology, so you wouldn't think that that would lead straight into entrepreneurship either. But um, I've never really enjoyed working for anybody else. And my only corporate job uh, just didn't go well. Uh, I wasn't really valued and uh, we got bought out at one point and I could see the writing on the wall and I said, okay, I have a set of skills from this job and I need to do something and I really want to, you know, never again be at the mercy of corporate um, uh, goings on, if mm -hmm. you will. So yeah. I kind of started hustling uh, and bartering uh, to build my own portfolio of web development um, and so that when I was actually laid off, which was uh, let me see. It was in December of 2012. So we're six years ago here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> six or seven years ago, uh, I had my company going and I was able to, uh, just start paying myself effectively. Um, so I actually sold that company after, uh, I had done the research for, oh, okay. for my book, but that company was, uh, that was my second company. I had a nonprofit before that. Uh, but the company that I had started, it was a tech company. And so I'm sitting here working on the computer, uh, and noticing how technology is really seeping into my life because it has to, in order yeah. to run a tech company, you have to be on technology. Uh, it's in the name. And, uh, I, that's when I started getting uncomfortable and that was the impetus for the book. Um, what do you mean getting But yeah, so serial entrepreneur just means like I, I'm addicted to starting things and I keep starting things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I know we have um, listeners out there who desire to leave a, cor a corporate job. They want to start yeah. some. And um, many of our listeners, this is a more uh, spiritually based station, I think, and it shows mm -hmm. we do science mm -hmm. and spirituality, really. And um, I know that there are a lot of heart-centered entrepreneurs out there who want to strike out on their own. What advice, now that you've been out there doing this for um, several years, or more than several years now, but what advice would you have for mm. folks out there? Yeah, uh, I love working with heart-centered entrepreneurs, service-based entrepreneurs, people who want to, what I, I call it, you want to build an empire because you want to change the world. Yeah. Uh, and what I have found in working with my own clients, but also having my own businesses is that if you have an idea, you already have what it takes to do it. And we can mm. call it the muses delivering it because you're the right person. We can call it divine providence or just simply the way your brain works. It formulated an idea because you already had the synapses to do so. But whatever way you want to take it, you wouldn't have come up with the idea if you weren't the person to execute on it. Even if you don't have the actual knowledge, the, the detailed, like when I started my book, I didn't know how to find a publisher. I just did it because I had everything else I needed in order to put it together. Mm -hmm. And I had the skills I needed in order to find the people that would help me to do it. Yeah. So just, just go for it. You can believe in yourself and know that it's right. If you've got the idea, it's right. Oh, I love that. And I have to say, this is, um, it made me think of the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Have you read that one, Veronica? I have not read that one, but I have read some of her work. Yeah. So in Big Magic, it's she's talking about um, basically um, using your creativity and creating things. And 
Um, she she actually scared me a little bit because what you just oh, mentioned yeah. about, you know, the muses or divine providence uh-huh. delivering an idea. And if it's being given to you, you are the person through which they want it to come. Like they. Yes. So but she says, if you've got an idea that's been knocking on your door or tapping you on the shoulder for years. Yeah. If yeah. you don't answer that, it will move on <laughs> to someone else. Right. <laughs> like, because they need it manifested. Yes. And yeah. that, that made me panic when I heard that. Because no. I thought, oh, crap. Like, I have to do everything right now. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. There's an amazing book that I read called The War of Art. And, oh, I love uh, that book. Yeah. So he says the same thing. And that got me. It really kind of scared me, too, like you said. <laughs> but also... Um, was empowering in a way because, uh, like I said, if it's in your head, you're the person to do it. You've got what it takes, yeah. uh, and do it now because it comes at this moment in history because it's the right moment in history. So even if it just starts as a side hustle or a slow kind of snowball build, that's okay, but you've got to make progress on it. Do it. Yes. Oh, I love this. And this is so perfect, I think, for especially as we're coming up on the new year, which and we're in the solstice today. And there's just yes, so much. Solstice. <laughs> Yay. Yes. I should have said that at the beginning of the show. The station, yes. especially. <laughs> I'm falling down on the job here, but. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> or coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what a time for fertile new beginnings. Um, and so, yeah, if this, if you were the person who needed to hear this message today, Take that idea and at least take a small turtle step to answer the call of the muses to bring it forth into existence because you are the person that it was designed to come through. Mm-hmm. So oh, I've uh, got chills. <laughs> yeah, someone needed to hear that. Um, yeah. Cool. So um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about. So these yeah. days you are you sold your company. Um, you, of course, did mm-hmm. this fabulous book. And now you are a you're very targeted in your niche in coaching uh, LGBTQ business owners. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. that is a very specific niche. Um, what exactly does that mean? And, and why did you come to that work? Yeah. So my clients aren't only in the LGBT community, but I myself identify on the queer spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I found when I was starting my coaching work as a coach, I'm my own brand. So I'm really out there. And, uh, I didn't want to hide a part of who I am. So I had to kind of sit with it for a second and say, am I going to be out in my business? Like Mm -hmm. not just out of the closet in my friend group or in my family, but am I going to be out publicly and having conversations like this one? And, uh, not only was that an important, uh, thought process for me to go through and then to strategize around, but there's a lot of business owners out there who have to do that. And I want to present myself as somebody who is safe to do that with that. I've been through it. I know how to do it. If you decide you want to not be out in your business, we can, we can build a strategy for that too, because unfortunately that does mean that you could get outed. And so we need, we just need some plans around that. It's safe. It's okay. But we just need some plans around either one. Um, and then I, I love being, uh, an advocate specifically for the trans community, which is unfortunately going through a lot of, um, a lot of battles right yeah, now. Yeah. And, uh, I really believe that entrepreneurship is a fantastic way to make yourself safe because, uh, if you're outed at your job in most States, including my own, it is completely legal to fire you and oh. you lose your livelihood. You lose your subsistence. You could lose your house. It just, it's 
it's a cascade effect. Mm -hmm. If you're an entrepreneur, you control who you work with, you control where you live, you control your subsistence and your income. And so that can't happen. It's not all roses, as you know, but, um, you're a lot safer. And so I, I really like being able to say, I'm a safe person to work with and, um, I can help make you safe as an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. And I, uh, yeah, I love that. Um, so then let's, let's switch gears and let's talk about this book. Um, so <laughs> the book is called Stories of Elders. Oh, and Benny's helping me with my computer monitor here. Thank you, Benny. Thanks, Benny. <laughs> Benny, always to the rescue. Um, yeah, so the book is called Stories of Elders, What the Greatest Generation Knows About Technology That You Don't. And you alluded yes. to this a moment ago that when you're, you're the company that you started that you ultimately sold was a tech company. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. said something that you, you were using technology all the time. And I forget exactly your word was either you were getting concerned or it was getting different. uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Thank you. Yeah. To mm -hmm. say more about that. What do you mean by that? Mm. So I noticed that my default communication started to become email and text. Ah. And I, I live in Michigan, it gets cold here. And so especially during the winter, we all know cabin fever becomes a problem, but specifically uh, here in, in Michigan, it's so cold that you just don't wanna go outside. And now we have technology so I can just send you a text message and think that I socialized. And then three days later, I haven't seen another human soul and I'm starting to get really depressed. My anxiety is going up. And it was changing how I was interacting with my clients as well. I was losing that personal touch and I just, it, so it was personally anxiety and depression, but uh, professionally, I was losing my personal touch with my clients and I didn't like that. I didn't think it was good, at least for who I want to arrive as in this world. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that then, did that lead to the idea for the book then? Slowly but surely. Uh, it was February of 2015 when the idea came to me. Um, and I, I tested it on family members because those are the people who are safe to test things on because right. they'll forgive you if it turns out to be a bad idea. <laughs> um, and I started to really notice the correlation between um, between my life and theirs and their perspective on things versus how I was seeing things. And the real common denominator between all these differences was technology. Ah, okay. And so how then... So let me back up a little bit. If mm -hmm. you in the book, there is a map of the United States. Yeah, and it shows the route that Veronica took, and it literally makes it outlines almost the complete perimeter of the entire United States. You drove twelve thousand miles. <laughs> yeah. Did you know you were going to drive that much when you set out for this project? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> so that map is actually through a program called Furcot, which is. It's just, a, it's like a road trip map planning software okay. thing. Uh, and so I had plugged in the addresses that I knew I had uh, people who I have touched base with. So I sort of had the plan already set when I left on November 2nd, 2015. Uh -huh. um, but, but there were some zigs and zags added uh, because there were people that I was connected to last minute when I was already on the road. So it did, it changed a little bit. Yeah. And so you set out in November, 2015, how long were you on the road all total? Six weeks. Okay. And 
how did you find the people that you were going to interview? Because I, when I think about this, I'm like, okay, these people aren't on Facebook, right? Or are they? I don't know. <laughs> this is... Some are, some aren't. Okay. So yeah, this is... some of them are even more tech savvy than me. And, you know. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, that was another one of my questions. Because just keep in mind um, that, that the, the qualification was that they are born before 1945. So a part of the, mm-hmm. quote, greatest generation. So were there any other primary demographics or psychographics that you or were they just a vast swath of all types it was everything okay it was it was absolutely everything and I wanted to be that so the reason I chose to go uh, across the United States instead of staying just in Michigan or in the tri-state area or what have you uh, is because I wanted an American narrative and I felt that yes there's a lot of people who migrated to Michigan but it would still be only one specific sliver of an American narrative if I was staying in Michigan. So um, that is why I went and traveled so far. I found the people through networking. And just as you and I mentioned, um, if you have an idea, you have the tools to execute on it, even if you don't realize it when the idea first forms. Uh, being an entrepreneur meant that I was really good at networking. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to get on the phone and call people and say, who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? And then use social media in order to also ask that question. Um, I found some people through um, relatives of, of people who are on Reddit. And then I did a Kickstarter in order to fund it, and I found people through that as well. Yeah, and that was another thing that I wanted to ask you about because I know that we've got listeners out there who have projects that they want to start but perhaps don't have the funding. And how was your experience with Kickstarter? Did that work? Oh, it worked. It did work. But um, And I actually wrote an ebook all about how to do Kickstarter correctly. Oh. Um, it's on my website for those who are curious because um, Veronica Kieran.com. <laughs> yes. And I, you know, it's funny. My last name is, is Kieran like the beer. I, I ended up with that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I like that beer. <laughs> so. You never know. Um, but yeah, so it's fun to flash my ID when I go in a bar and say like, <laughs> check me out. Uh, anyway. Um, so, so yeah, what I discovered was that Kickstarter is really a full-time job. Um, and I, again, I had the right tools in my toolkit. I had been networking in the startup community for years because I owned a tech company and I had been an entrepreneur myself. So I knew other people who had done a Kickstarter. And so I did my research. I interviewed them. I researched online and I figured it out. Um, And so I've I've put it all together in an ebook just to like help other people because I do see a lot of folks who want to fundraise on Kickstarter and it's a great idea. but you've got to be prepared for the amount of work that it's going to take to be a success. Yes. And I, we're about at the time for our break. And I, but I just wanted to mention real quickly before we do that, you were actually selected by Kickstarter as one of their favorite projects or something like that. A staff pick. Yeah. 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 Not anything you can vie for. It just happens if you're lucky. Oh, well, yeah. Or if your project is, is well, very but yeah, worthy. I, right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything except for create a cool project. That's it. Okay. Okay, so you are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm joined today by author and serial entrepreneur uh, Veronica Kieran. The book is Stories of Elders. Um, When we return from our break, don't forget, we're going to be giving away a free copy of the book in the second half of the show. Um, I'll just give out the number again just in case you want to write it down for when we do announce that. That's 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-5569. And we will be back in just a few minutes to continue our talk about this 
incredible project that took her all around the country for 12,000 miles. <laughs> the preceding audio was via a Skype call. Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story, and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available for pre-order today on Amazon.com. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org slash American Airlines to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Time is funny. Sometimes it seems fast, another time slow. When it comes to time slots remaining on Alternative Talk 1150, time is running out. In fact, there are just a few primetime slots available. So if you want to host your own radio program, the time to call 425-653-1150 is right now. Nope, no time for excuses. Dial 425-653-1150 to find out how affordable it can be to host a radio show. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp. That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. Okay, so I have to give you guys a little background. So I came in the studio today, and Benny had like this like smile on his face, like he was all pleased with himself. And I said, "What's you know what's going on?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I've got Veronica's music all queued up." And I said, "Wait, what? What do you mean, Veronica's music?" <laughs> so of course, our awesome guest today, Veronica Kieran. I did not realize she was a musician as well as an author. She <laughs> so, did a great job. So those were Veronica's songs. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you Do you want to give any background before we move on and yeah. turn back uh, to the book? Uh, or? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, so <laughs> I, I've, I've had a former career as a musician. So oh. those, those were definitely not studio quality, as you may have noticed. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, music comes out of me sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, anyway, yeah, Benny is always so on it. And sometimes I, if I know that a guest, it's kind of rare we have a guest that does music and whatever else that they do. Because, mm. I mean, you know, 
not everyone is so multi-talented, but um, he's, I usually will tell him, but this time around, he did his research on his own and found that, which I thought was fun. So anyway, yeah. Benny's always on it with the music. <laughs> um, <okay>. Thanks, Benny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually just walked out of the studio for something. I'm not sure what's happening, but anyway. Um, so before the break, we were uh, talking about this amazing project that Veronica came up with where she drove 12,000 miles around the United States. Um, interviewed 100 elders or people who were born before 1945 and really about the effects of technology and how that has changed um, the face of our country and their lives versus our lives now. So um, I wanted to ask, we were talking about you went, as you mentioned, to lots of different regions because you wanted a Mm -hmm. nice cross-section. And I'm curious, well, let me actually say this. The book is divided into topics, things like communication, war, politics, transportation, religion, relationships, like all the different things you can think of. I think there's 17 all total. And I'm Mm -hmm. curious, now having visited with elders in every different corner, what were any trends that you noticed by region? Or did you notice any trends? Mm. Not by region, no. Um, the the trend that I noticed that is for me the biggest takeaway with the book is intentionality. Mm. That our elders lived so long without technology that they're not as addicted as we tend to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when something new comes out, uh, there's they have a foundation underneath them, so they can say, "Do I want this? Will it benefit me? Mm-hmm. Or maybe I don't need it." Yeah, and so did you? You mentioned earlier. That, well, I am curious because I don't think we went into this a lot. And I am, I wanted to know of the folks that you interviewed, how many were actually pretty proficient with a smartphone, social media, email, Skype, or what were the percentages really off the cuff? You know, I would say uh, maybe 65%. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's more than a lot of them were talking about how happy they are to have Skype because they can see their grandchildren, even if they're over across the country. Um, And and the the ability to stay in touch and in contact with each other these days, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's not many out there who just completely eschew technology. There's usually a lot more choosiness. So they might have a smartphone, but not a computer Mm -hmm. or, um, they'll have a computer, but not an email address or what have you, you know, there's, there's, there's some choosiness there, but, um, I didn't meet too many people who actually just didn't use technology at all. Really? Yeah. I remember there were one or two people in the book that stood out that, but I also remember some of the quotes from those folks who have really consciously chosen not to get a, you know, Mm -hmm. a smartphone or uh, use email or have a computer, but they felt a little bit isolated or left out. Um, Yeah. 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 And I, they could tell. Yeah. Yeah. So what were the questions you asked them? Well, gosh, I wanted to start with a baseline, um, in order to understand just what their life had been like, um, just in case there was anything else that I could glean from the demographics. So I would ask, were you born? Where have you lived? And sometimes that list was quite long, especially if it was a military person. Mm-hmm. Um, what occupations have you held? How has technology affected your career? Um, because for example, uh, Betty Siegel, who worked at the CDC, uh, she was working when, uh, 
typewriters were the mainstay and through her career it evolved into word processors and she her whole her whole career was affected by that she loved and she said the internet too was her favorite new thing because she had to download documents for research purposes of course being at the cdc the centers for disease control um and she said to be able to download a document on a computer as opposed to going to a library was revelatory for her um for other people, they felt like, man, technology um, edged me out of my job, or um, or they kept up, but they didn't want to keep up, which was a very interesting uh, juxtaposition to find with someone too. Yeah. Um, and then I would eventually get into questions about what do you think about technology? What do you think has changed? Uh, what do you think uh, for our young people who are coming up with it, never having known anything else? Yeah, and that, that is, you ask an interesting question in the book, um, and I'm just going to mm. quote here. Is there a point at which we stop learning or wanting to learn, which in turn creates a social barrier as technology and the world evolves? And did you find that to be the case, that there is a point where people stop learning, or did some keep on going? People keep on going, but it's, it's often a belief system that determines whether or not you keep going. Oh, so everyone has the everyone has the capability to learn for a lifetime, but we have some stories that we tell about aging in our culture. And for some, they will subscribe to that and think, well, I'm 60 years old. I can't do anything else, Mm -hmm. which is completely untrue. And I know, you know that, but, um, if you believe that you can't learn or you can't grow anymore, then you won't learn and you won't grow. Yeah, absolutely. And there was another concept in here that I thought was interesting. Um, called uh, personal discomfort, like your threshold. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, for one of the interesting stories in there that I was not aware of was that when first, when electricity was first introduced, Mm -hmm. people were afraid to go to homes where they actually had electricity because they thought it would come out of the walls and get them. Um, Which sounds ridiculous to us, but at the same time, um, when I think about self-driving cars, that makes me a little nervous. So maybe that's mm-hmm. my threshold. So what can you speak a little bit more about that that personal discomfort threshold? Yeah, I think it really helps. (laughs) I think it really helps us to uh, think about it with that perspective that there's always this hurdle that each generation goes through with technology uh, and honestly with anything. But technology is the the number one thing uh, with our current time. That's what's evolving and growing. Uh, And so, yeah, if we're going to have self-driving cars or robotic doctors or sending people to Mars, uh, these will all get normalized eventually. But right now, some people are pushing back against that because of personal discomfort. Um, If we can look back and say, well, this generation had discomfort with this and now it seems just so normal, it helps to diffuse it a little bit, take us away from the fear and maybe think about, okay, instead of being afraid and pushing against it, how can I be involved in its development so that it is a benefit to myself and my community and my generation? Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And actually, this will be an analogy that I remember when I um, mm. <laughs> when I am in my first self-driving car, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So going in, I wanted to back up just a little bit and going into this research, um, I'm curious because you do have a degree in anthropology and I mm-hmm. think it sounds like you're very interested in the study of humans and human behavior. Um, what did you know about the effects of technology, like let's say smartphones, for example, on our 
um, child development, for example, or the effects on our nervous system of this 24-7 access or our brain's ability to manage Mm. multiple stimuli, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, when I started the project, I didn't know that much. It was really in the development of the book itself where uh, somebody would say something to me and then I needed to make sure that it was a correct yeah. and B then back it up. And so, uh, and, and, and bolster it too. It would help to say, okay. And the, the NIH says this as well. Um, that's when I really started to realize the depth, um, of the effects of technology on our brains. Um, I just read a study that talks about how our brains are shrinking as we're evolving, which yeah. may or may not be a bad thing. Technically, the closer the brain is together, the the shorter the distance the synapses have to go. So maybe it actually makes us smarter. Hmm. But that's another conversation. Um, so so I, I did want to actually hunt for and learn, is technology actually increasing anxiety and depression? Because that's what I felt like it was doing mm-hmm. to In- me. Intuitively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was able to, yeah, uh, at least correlatively back that up where we're socializing where our brain says you need to interact with another human being. And then we do so online and our brain says, I just interacted with another human being, but our bodies didn't get the hormone dump, didn't get the DNA healing, didn't get the feel good experiences that happen with in-person interaction. Oh, I remember that in the book. That's so interesting. Um, so is there, there is a dopamine release when we have an interaction or there is, what is it? Does it need skin to skin touch or is it just being in the presence of another human or what happens there? So I don't know all the science behind it. I do believe that pheromones are involved though, because, uh, the DNA healing, the telomerase at the end of your DNA, that's, Mm -hmm. that's what is slowly shortening, which with each split of the, um, of the, of the cells. And so eventually you run out of length and then you die. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, but what they have found definitively is that even in-person interaction without touching heals that and then touch does even more. So, um, there's different stages to it. And I understand some people don't like to be touched, but if you are in front of somebody, something in the brain turns on Mm -hmm. and starts to benefit the body. Um, so, so it's a multi-tiered experience. Yes, we do get a little hits of endorphins when we interact online, but it's not to the depth the the real body healing depth as in person or touching. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I wanted to actually ask next about any standout stories, but I want to first, um, mm. while Benny is, he is, Uh, available to take callers. Um, Let's go ahead and give away our free copy of the book. So the book is Stories of Elders. And of course, the author is here with me today, Veronica Kieran. And so first caller to 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-5569. And as I mentioned, if you weren't here at the beginning of the show, um, this book really is beautiful for chronicling um, oh, and I see the lines are ringing. Um, but, um, but no, don't t- call in anyway. Who knows? It could just be <laughs> we may not get it. Um, but um, a really neat gift for someone in your life who is from the greatest generation to be able to read and perhaps remember some things that you haven't talked about in a while. Um, there's some really touching stories in here. So 888-298-5569. Um, OK, so what were some of the standout stories for you looking back on these interviews? 
Gosh, and, so many. And I can ask, I've got some specifics here if you, but I just wanted to ask There's, you first. Yeah, I, my hair blows back. So I'm actually <laughs> very personal friends with Betty Siegel, who I mentioned before. Um, she, when I went to interview her the first time, she lives in Illinois. Um, she asked me to stay after and uh, we went out to dinner and then she did the same thing when I, um, I did the signing already in her area. Got to see her again. She had me to tea and we oh. just talk. And I love the way that she thinks about how technology is interacting with our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and she gets so excited. I mean, the way she was talking about how they would sneak into her boss's office in order to be able to use the first word processor mm -hmm. because she was a writer for the CDC. So she had to be able to format and typewriters just weren't cutting it, you know? Yeah. Um, of course, Edwin Gold, who worked on our first spy satellite for the U.S. government during the Cold War. And it's not even just like, wow, he engineered our spy satellites. It's remember that we didn't have digital photography during that era. So not only did he get the thing to get up into the sky, but then he figured out how to get it to take pictures in space and then send the film back down to earth so that we could develop it. Yes. So uh, he goes on for pages. He goes, he's so detailed about how this all works. It was awesome. Yeah. I remember reading that section going literally like the film would come out in a canister and some parachuted uh, like aircraft would come grab yeah. it out of the sky. <laughs> yes. Like crazy. I know. Yeah. You've <laughs> got to be kidding me. And I, I mean, this is this is our world. Yeah, today it's so easy. Just send a satellite up and take some pictures and it beams them down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had some really people who were at the cutting edge. Like also, there was a lot of mm. talk about there was a um, a chemical engineer or a chemist mm. and talking about the first use of like insecticides and chemical mm. warfare agents. And oh, my yeah. gosh, that was some interesting stuff. Like they didn't even know they weren't being told exactly what they were working on or working with. And yeah, that's right. really some scary stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's some stories that, you know, I heard some things that just, they weren't related to technology, so they didn't make it into the book, but they were so touching or harrowing, especially from the war stories. Yes. So, um, I do run a podcast. Uh, it's just, it's a mini series and it's just of the interviews. It's me introducing the people and then the recordings that I took. Um, but you know, I interviewed a man who was at Dachau concentration camp and helped literate, uh, liberate it during world war two. And he said when he saw it the first time, he didn't understand what was happening. He just thought he saw some people in pajamas Yes. E eating a horse. Yeah. Because they were starving, you know, and, and just, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, you know, actually, Veronica, I, I, that was the one quote that I pulled, like, from the folks on each of the topics that, I, that really stood out to me. So keep in mind, this person, um, uh, Virgil, he was, mm -hmm. um, he was a Japanese-American. And mm -hmm. at the time, um, so they were the first to go in to liberate Dachau. And yet they were told, to, I'm reading from the book here, they were told to wait for another regiment so the Japanese Americans wouldn't get historical credit. And he said, right. to me, it seems a private, or you said, to me, it seems a private joke on the government that a regiment they formed based on discrimination ended up being the best they'd ever had. Like they were the most highly decorated. And They're it, still the most highly decorated <gasps> to this day, to this day. Yeah. And see, that's not the stuff that was taught in my history class. And to be able no. to have that story, to, to know that there were so many people, women, um, minority mm -hmm. groups that were not given credit for the things that they actually did. It's just uh, yes. devastating. I'm so Huge. glad that you brought it forward. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had me crying because at the end he talks about how he's trying to get back to the United States after the war in time for Christmas. And um, they almost they had to stay with some Germans and they didn't you know how that's going to go right after. Yeah. a war. Um, and he talks about seeing the Statue of Liberty for the first time when he gets back to America. And like, I'm just like, oh, oh my God. Now yeah. he just turned 100. Wow. OK. Just so you know. That's awesome. Yeah, he he was one of the standout stories for me in the book. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So um, I want to ask a few more questions about the book, and then also, gosh, I I know we're gonna run out of time before I get to all my questions. So let me let me let me do my best to to prioritize here. I do want to ask you because I think this is important. Um, this was not something that I was aware of, and I, I just want to make other listeners aware of it. So you have PTSI, and I want to make the distinction. Most mm-hmm. people are familiar with the term post-traumatic stress disorder, um, PTSD. Mm-hmm. You make the distinction, and I guess maybe the, the, the new name to be calling it is post-traumatic stress injury. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that and that influence on your journey across this 12,000 miles? Yeah. Uh, so uh, my first career was in the disaster relief sector. Uh, so I have a bunch of awards from doing that from that time in my life. It's basically just I lived a different life. Um, and I, I had an experience running away from a tsunami. Uh, so, you know, things happened in my brain because of it. Um, to call it a disorder implies that something is broken and can be fixed. Mm. To call it an injury recognizes that my brain chemistry was basically under a pressure cooker of stress hormones, and it changed how it works. And that has short-term and long-term effects. So thankfully, the short-term effects have passed because it's been, uh, let's see, what year is it? It's been nine years since then. So so I have been through those. I've managed those. Uh, but there's still some things that just linger, and they're going to linger for the rest of my life. And that is okay. I learned to manage them, but it it is something to be worked on and to be learned about. Um, I, 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 it's more empowering, I guess, to call it an injury, uh, because it means that you can actually get help. Yeah. And I think, uh, that was one of the things that really stood out is I don't, I don't know a lot about what was, you know, what was called PTSD, but to hear you talk about Mm -hmm. it and to, I didn't realize that there were such significant effects on the actual chemical makeup and structure of the brain through the course of a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. 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 Um, so then self-care, of course, now you have a, a, uh, trademarked program around Mm -hmm. self-care through scaling. So Mm self-care is something that is obviously very important to you now. Can you speak to that a little? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you asked, I'm sorry, because you asked about that on my journey. I didn't, um, I didn't take good care of myself on this trip because it was just go, go, go. I had six weeks, I did 12,000 miles and I just really wanted to make sure that I got to everybody. I was doing something that felt bigger than me and I just pushed myself too hard. And because my brain went through the stress of the disaster relief work that I did, um, it's, it, it reacts differently to stress. And so I put it under another pressure cooker and mm-hmm. I, and it, it, it didn't go well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't work on the book after I returned for about eight months because I just, I was so burnt out and really had to just self-care myself back to a place of health. Um, and going through that, I realized how very important self-care is in every moment of every day, um, to manage the fact that, if you have a back-to-back week, like I just had, because it's the last week I'm working for the year as an entrepreneur, um, 
and I'm taking care of my clients because this is their last week for the year. Um, I need to manage that, um, stress by, uh, balancing the scale effectively with self-care. So taking a Epsom self back bath, doing yoga, reading, meditating, whatever it is, everybody's different. So everybody has different self-care, um, and making sure that I just keep that scale balanced. Yeah. And then that's what I teach for my clients to keep, keep that work-life balance. Cause you start a business to be free. So let's not create a business <laughs> that you're a slave to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to make sure we did touch on that. So, um, and I, then I want to kind of come back around. So one of the initial questions you ask in this book, Stories of Elders, um, or mm-hmm. let, I'm just going to read here a quote. This book is intended to be a cultural comparison and contrast between life before tech and life today. And you ask, has technology affected our lives at a critical level? Is a change in the way we use technology necessary? In my opinion, only those who have lived before it can tell. So, Veronica, what was your ultimate conclusion? We've got about three minutes left, so we can touch on this for a little while. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that, personally, we, we're excited about technology. It's interesting. It's new. It's cool. It's always doing something that is surprising and um, strikes awe in us. Yeah. But just because we're excited doesn't mean we have to adopt every single aspect into our lives. Yes, it's cool to live in a house that is automated. And if it benefits you, if it's really actually a benefit, go for it. But don't lose touch with the humanity. Don't lose touch with your friends and your family. So at the at this point in time, I host monthly brunches. I have people over to make sure I'm seeing people in person because it's easy to get busy and it's easy to think it's okay to just be messaging back and forth. And sometimes that's all you can do is message mm-hmm. back and forth because you're so dang busy. Um, what I learned from our elders is the ability to step back. And that's what I hope that people will take away. Although I do my best in the book to say, here's some information. It's up to you. Right. Um, so... Do know if you're going to read the book. I, I'm not advocating in any direction. I'm presenting information. Yeah. Basically a bunch of interviews with some really cool people. Yeah. And, uh, but what they have taught me is if I'm going to use this, how am I going to use this? And then how do I make sure that I'm still in touch with the humanity within myself? Love that. And that is a perfect note to end on. Veronica Karen, thank you so much for being a guest on Sunny in Seattle today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Well, we have enjoyed it. So the book is Stories of Elders, What the Greatest Generation Knows About Technology That You Don't. I learned a lot from this book, things I was not aware of. So I encourage you to check it out. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, really. Uh, The website for Veronica is veronicakirin.com, and Kirin is K-I-R-I-N. Thanks, you guys, so much for joining us. And for those who celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have a fabulous week, and I will see you next week. Sunny Joy, signing off. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.